the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, Please remember, however you are finding us, maybe you are listening on Apple Podcasts, maybe you are are watching us on YouTube, but you can also follow and stream us on Spotify. So if that is where you are starting to collect uh, your podcast, you want to listen to your favorite album, but then also listen to this multi-platform excellence from the Cover 3 Podcast, follow and stream us on Spotify. Also, remember, if you want to get in a question for the mailbag, we will be doing another one here at the end of the week. The way to get in there is leave us a five-star rating and a review, and then within that review, uh, put your question. You'll get added to the big old bag of mail. Uh, We love uh, some of the ways that the conversations twist and turn as we follow some of y'all's interests, and so we will be doing that again this week. Go ahead and uh, leave us the review. So the Today's business is starting to to dig into ways that college football can change. We, we introduced this as rule changes, and we put out um, a call on Twitter. Follow us uh, at Cover Three Podcast on Twitter, and it is it is on field, it is off field, it is the the way college football is structured. Gentlemen, I have my uh, sort of. Um, I, I think that we can start in a lot of different places. I've sort of grouped this in in my mind, at least for some of the areas that I wanted to explore with offense, defense, special teams, off field, and then uh, off field sort of has some uh, some different pieces to it, including the way that college football is structured. I wanted to at least start by seeing is there any uh, is there any one place where where you would like to start because we've got some good fan submissions. We've got uh, Tom Fernelli has dropped some some good stuff in the group chat as well as he's not going to be able to uh, join us today. Uh, I, I haven't gotten to compare notes with y'all. Maybe we're addressing some of the same topics. Oh, where, where do y'all want to start with this discussion? I'm down for wherever you want to go, but like if we, we can just throw one out. Yeah, just throw one out. All right, so this is something I've, I've written about for, I don't know, the last five or six years. I, I really think that, and I'll acknowledge that there's an element here that, that I don't like, but I, I do think that targeting is here to stay. Right, like they're not going to remove targeting because the people will think the game of football is is unsafe and blah 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 blah. But I do think that we had a positive step in the right direction for not making guys leave the field in like a, a you know essential perp walk when, when they when they get ejected. But I think we can go a step further and and comp it to basketball. I've written about this for a couple of years. We need to have a flagrant one and a flagrant two style targeting. And I think the way you do this is you do have to judge intent a little bit. You look at the angle of the hit. You look at the defender. You say, okay, did the defender lower his head in, in, into the strike zone? What is the strike zone? Like, you can take a pretty decent look and say, where was he launching himself? Okay. If he was launching himself at the running back's hip and the back all of a sudden ducks into him at the last minute, or if the quarterback, sorry, Danny, decides that he's going to execute a ridiculous Ozzie Smith pop-up slide with one yard to go, like after you've already, you know, left your feet and try to like you know, make the tackle, and I know you're not supposed to leave your feet, but after you've already kind of gone into your tackling motion, if it's pretty clear that you were not intending to pop this guy in the head or neck area and that the the offensive player lowered himself into your zone, look, maybe we give you a 15-yard incidental helmet-to-helmet hit, but we don't eject you. If you get two incidentals, then we're just going to say, hey, that's too much coincidence, you're gone. If it's a clear kill shot, which I think is what we're trying to legislate out of the game of football, then okay, you're gone right there. But like flagrant one, flagrant two, I know there's a downside to you know asking officials to review things and, and judge intent, but they're already reviewing it. And in some cases, it's very obvious that it, it's 
you even hear the broadcaster say, oh, that's a really terrible one, but it's by the letter of the law. We have to do it. So let's, let's change that. Guys, your question, follow up. Yeah. James Skalski uh, against Ohio State hits Justin Fields, gets ejected. What would you have done with that one? So he crushed he him in the ribs, hit. right? Yes, the one that the one that took him to the ribs. It was like the crown of the helmet, but it was a little dicey. Like I don't think the intent was there. And Skalski after the game said, "Hey, I shouldn't have done this." But as I was watching it, I felt it was a letter of the law that if you had a flagrant one, flagrant two type type of situation, that would not have warranted ejection. But it's that's that. So that's what I get. Like. I am, trust me, I am more um, willing to be lenient, to take the look. I love it. I've been saying the same thing. And yet I do get people, even after that hit, said, well, this is to protect them. This is to protect James Skowski. This is to, to protect both people that are involved in this collision. It's to, to, to protect the receiver, whoever has the ball, and it's to protect the defender from lowering his head. The only thing, and I totally agree. I think you should be able to judge intent. I think sometimes it's totally obvious. I just wonder about the the ones that aren't so obvious, that are gray areas, how much controversy they could provide and how much delay in the game they could provide. And that's that's an area I'll I'll get to some of my things that I want to see because the four-hour and 15-minute games, I think, are an issue for me. But – like that would be my thing. Would you like, cause I, this is such a wide open topic and I love it. Cause I do think it needs to address. I have called games and this was before the rule change when you didn't have to leave the field and they're starting to review them when it was automatic. And I remember watching players march off the field, like the perp walk, like you mentioned and thinking, Oh my gosh, his parents are probably embarrassed. Like getting ejected of the game is the worst thing you could do. Like it's such like a bad um, just bad mojo. It looks, it's a blemish on your record. Like you don't want to get ejected ever. And yet that's where we were treating guys. And some of these hits were just incidental, which that's where I do agree with you. I just think it's a very complex topic that at least I wish they would talk about, because I do think there is a way you could implement the flagrant one flagrant two, like you're talking about yellow card, red card, you know, two yellows. I think there's a way you could do it. Um, and do it better, which I hope they do because they've looked at this. They've adjusted it slowly. Maybe they'll look at it again. Uh, Willie on Twitter, also in on the flagrant one, flagrant two. I know Tom was in on the yellow card, red card. Uh, John, he was, John John on Twitter says, uh, targeting 15 yard penalty is fine, but player stays in the game unless he commits two in one game. Then he is ejected for, from the current game. Also targeting in a bowl game should not spill into the next regular season. First game. Any thoughts about the way that they've got that carryover set up? It's silly. I, I I think getting getting tossed from a bowl game is is punishment enough. Like you um, should that should be it. There shouldn't be any carryover into the next season because James exactly. Kowski, by the way, also yes. ejected from the <laughs> national championship game against LSU, uh, missed the first half of Clemson's opener. To Danny's question, I, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had. Do you want to use that that flagrant one, flagrant two for ones that are targeting of the head and neck area? Because I think that's where the, the, it really plays in more. The one that is basically designed to protect the hitter, maybe you leave that as it is. Because like if you if you lower your your you know, your head to make the tackle, that that is a little bit different. But there are certain situations where you're making a good tackle, you're mostly head up, and then the guy you know spins into your strike zone and ducks into it, and all of a sudden your form tackle becomes you know, a, an ejectable hit. That's the one I think we get, we have to have to avoid ejecting for. There is uh, I'd, I'd like to just keep, keep following this because it sounds like Danny, you, are you, are you in on the review shot clock? Cause I'm, I'm yes. torn on this. I've, I've debated yes. it and I like it a lot. Like if you can't Absolutely. make a decision in 60 to 90 seconds, like whatever we agree less. on, then let's, <laughs> then let's just get back to, to it. 
but if you've got it, if you've got it, wouldn't you want to make sure you get it right? I I hear both. Okay. No, we've got it without restrictions and they still can't get it right. Like how many times do you watch a game? You're like, what, what videos are they watching? And you'll see them and they'll do something and they're still indecision. I personally think replay is to overturn the plays that are blatantly missed calls that were obvious where whoops, he thought it was a fumble and it wasn't, or his knee was down, like very obvious. His foot was in bounds. If you need longer than 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a minute. Okay. Maybe a minute. Like maybe it's 60 seconds. seconds. Like if you need longer than that, then it's indecisive. Then it's inconclusive. Go with the call on the field. It should be quick. I see it. There it is. And it takes probably 60 seconds is right. Cause you, you know, some of these bigger games, you have 18 camera angles. So you need to go through them, but half of them are irrelevant. They can't see it. So give them a few looks. And if it's obvious, bam, overturn it. If it's not go with the call on the field. I think it's, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world because I, again, I've found myself in the booth and you start watching it over and over and you're talking to yourself out loud, just like the guy, you know, they're doing back when they're watching it and you start talking out loud, you talk yourself into things that aren't really there. So let me ask you a question. Is it 60 seconds from the time the guy starts watching or 60 seconds into play. No, because like it does take, right. it, t- it takes a minute to like to get the camera angles together. So like, I I'm totally in favor of 60 seconds viewing time only. We'll yeah. put the timer there yes. in the stadium. We can, we can sell it to, I don't know, uh, get like, like it's very sellable. CBS could yeah. easily sell this on their broadcast. Like, Hey guys, we're, we're, we're not going to go to commercial break, but we're going to run this ad ne- next to it as, as you know, as, as we watch the 60 second shot clock, I'm all in on that. But like, we got to make sure that they got all the camera angle angles lined up. And they're like, all right, hey, the review starts now. And then we go from there. I'm trying to look and see the average length of a review. Just trying. I don't I don't see it anywhere obvious, like when I Googled it. Because I'd be curious to know, like, is it much longer? Or are we making too much of a big deal? And I feel like they go on for two, two and a half minutes sometimes. And I agree with you. You do need to get to the to the, you know, to have the time in place. I'd also be okay with a centralized location that handles all of them. So they're starting to look the minute the play ends, they're looking at it and they can already kind of have a beat on it. So they have it ready to go. Like there are, there's easily ways to speed it up. I I had a a centralized review office on my list as well. And, it's similar to the targeting uh, that the shot clock for instant replay, big, big listener support. You're, you're really preaching to uh, a lot of people that want to see it slow down, want to see the game not slow down, but the game uh, sort of speed up, which uh, I'll go ahead and throw this one out there. I am willing to take college football to the clock doesn't stop on first down. Clock still Do stops if, if you step out of bounds so that you still have the ability as a team that's trying to press who met, might not have timeouts. You can always still spike the ball, but stopping the clock on first down, I say let's keep that thing running uh, just the way the NFL does, and then we start to bring the game time a little bit closer to uh, those NFL levels. Love it. I would say just go ahead and follow the NFL clock rules, all of them. Have a two-minute warning. I for me, going from college to the NFL and you have enough to learn already on your plate and then you have clock management in a different type of area and it's just, it's so different and it takes some time getting used to. You mentioned the NFL, they have it down to a science. I mean, those games all, I mean, look at the witching hour on the red zone. They are all finishing at the same time and it's all about three hours, 15, 320, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. They go a little bit longer in their primetime games, which I'm okay with. But the 8 o'clock primetime game on Pick Your Network, so we not discriminate against anybody, that really kicks off at 8.20, then you know bleeds into 12.45 by the time it's over, is just stupid. And, and then like it also impacts the people not only that are at home staying trying to stay awake but taking your go to the game and to sit in stands for four or four hours plus that can be in the heat like that's for the noon and 3 30 windows then you're hot and if you've had a couple cold ones in that heat you're maybe not making that fourth quarter i i'm okay with that except i, I would like to to have it stay in the final couple minutes of the game i i, I think if you if you take it away too much it it creates almost a little bit too much certainty as far as who's going to win. And like, look, we need more eyeballs on the product, not less. So for like, I, I'd be totally cool if 
the clock doesn't stop on first downs except in the last two minutes of a quarter or except like maybe in the last two or three minutes of the half. Maybe you don't go two-minute warning, but you do go clock stops, first downs, the final two minutes of the game. So we can have that late-game drama. We can have those crazy comebacks. And, and that Otherwise, you can just quickly do the math in your head, okay? All right, they don't got any stoppages. They don't have timeouts. This, this thing's done. Do you think that college – or what is holding college football from having the NFL-style communication with quarterback and one defensive player – having the microphone to the coaches because we could eliminate the sign stealing allegations <laughs> and we could eliminate all of our boards and haven't listen, those GAs can be doing better things than hitting the Macarena on the sidelines. When you've got like three dummy calls and one real call all coming in at the same time. If, if we've got the communication being done by wireless headset, why isn't that happening already? And would you support it? I oh, absolutely would support it. Um, uh, my hunch was always cost, but let's be real. I mean, uh, <laughs> and this is where this might go down the road of separation from the power five, from the group of five. And I think the NCA wants to have one overarching rule book over all of college football, division one, two, three, you know, you then, then it becomes a cost issue. Well, Sorry. You know, like, like if you like take advantage of it, if you want them and I guarantee you they'd scrape up the money somewhere. I mean, if I was a quarterback, I'd be paying my own money. It's a couple hundred bucks to have a little speaker put in there and a walkie talkie. Uh, it is, it's so streamlined. It's so much better. Uh, you, you, know, you talk about going fast. Now defensive coaches may not want it, but you can put them in a defensive uh, player's right. helmet too. give them to one of the defensive players out there. Um, Again, I, the more the close the closer aligned with the NFL on the rules we go, I think the better the game becomes, and I think this is one of them where it's it just makes too much sense. I guess my only pushback on this, Danny, is I watch some seven on seven a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I go to a bunch of tournaments every year, and there's some of these coaches that literally yell out who to throw the ball to during the play, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah. all right, hey, slot, 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 slot. Yep. And it, I'm like, this is not teaching anybody anything, okay? Like, right. you can't have this. So I do worry that you know, some of these college defenses trying to get their defense set so fast and the offense is lined up. I mean, you got post-snaps, you know, post-shift post, post -shift snap stuff to worry about. But, like, uh, college to me is supposed to be about teaching and learning and developing too. So I do worry a little bit about, about like, the Sean McVay uh, ish Jared nature Goff. of this. Right. Yeah. It's like, does Jared Goff know how to read a defense? Who knows? Because McVay calls the play for him every time and right. tells him who to throw it to. And you still, well, you cut it off at right. 15 seconds. That's why they were going off fast. Uh, but I'll follow with this, bud. How many times? And we've gotten away from it a little bit. Thank goodness. But you see the quarterback, the line of scrimmage. Oh, the Blue 52. Me. Blue 52 <laughs> said hut. No one moves. Quarterback turns, <laughs> looks over. <laughs> What do I do? And then they, you know, signal and then he turns back and he signals and then they go like it is so frustrating. Uh, again, like you notice a lot of these things when you're broadcasting like even more so because it's incredibly frustrating because you're like, can't you teach him the checks? Now, a coach would say 20 hours a week. You can't have much. Well, then you're doing too much and just dial it back some. Give them what they can handle. So I totally hear what you're saying. It should be about teaching. But I think if you did cut it off and maybe you cut it off at 20 seconds, you know, maybe you give them a certain amount of time where they can call on the play. But I do think 15 seconds is bad. I mean, it goes fast. You, I, there were a lot of times when I was playing for Denver and Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak, the, they were called plays together. And if there was, I'd, you'd be like, oh, come on, let's get that play in. And they'd be like, ace, right, trip, flip it, wing opposite, cue high. And then it just cuts <laughs> off and you're like, Okay. What? And you kind of, so you had to actually, this is the next level type stuff. We actually memorize the plays every week so that you got that much of the formation. You knew it was going to be Q hot Louie, uh, you know, half 17 wing and Y out because of the formation and the personnel. Like that's the type of things you get as a professional, but at college you can't, but then it's on the coach. If you can't get it in, it should be enough time. If you can't get it in by then, then burn a timeout. That's on you guys. Um, all right, Danny, uh, what's on Danny bud or either one? What's on y'all's list? I've got a couple ahead, more. Or, okay. Well, all right. If it's me, I'll go. Look, I, I love offense. I like points, all that stuff. What I don't love is just constant guys wide open all the time. 
or defenses that basically are just waving the white flag, playing nothing but umbrella, and trying to win red zone roulette. I, I like explosive plays that happen because somebody made a move on somebody. I, 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 I like stuff that's you know creatively schemed open. I like one-on-one catches where, where the guy you know comes down with the ball. I don't love seeing Devontae Smith run with nobody else in the frame because you've got an offensive tackle coming and blocking a safety at seven or eight yards depth where the safety played it exactly how he's supposed to play it since he played it since Little League. But, you know, once he sees that 300-pounder coming out that deep on him, he's got to come up because it's run, run, run. Like, if you grew up and played any level of football, you know what it is. And the thing is, like, I, I play golf with, with a referee for a Power 5 league, and he's told me, he's like, look, man, we just can't catch it. Like, the, the, the way we align, the number of officials we have, the way the rule is, we're just going to miss them more often than not. And the way the penalty is, it's five yards, replay the down. It's basically not much of a penalty at all. Mm. And so, like, you'll gladly take that penalty over and over again as an offense for a chance to create create wide open shots. And I, I think wide open shots are, are boring. That's like having a lot more runs scored in baseball because of walks. Let's have more action in the game, but let's have more one-on-one competition in the game. So I think we need to somehow fix a legal man downfield. I don't know that we have to go to NFL with one yard downfield, but either make it reviewable, which would slow the game down, which I don't love, or make it more punitive, like five yards and loss of down, or you know, 10 yards and, and loss of down. I think there needs to probably be like a loss of down element thing in there because RPOs are great. But, I mean, you, you got Hugh Freeze, who's like the, the captain of the downfield RPO stuff, calling out Nick Saban for the national championship game. If there's ever been a, if you can't beat him, join him example, that was it. Right. And freeze is kind of sarcastically that uh, you guys see this, like that, that tackle looks like he's, you know, Leatherwood's 12 yards downfield, mm-hmm. either make it reviewable, make it more punitive or both. I, I just, I don't like the way it is right now because you've got, you know, I was talking to Brandon Marcel in our brainstorm meeting this morning. He was telling, telling me a coach basically told him, we don't really care what happens anymore. We just want to make sure that we prevent explosive plays and we try to win in the red zone because, like, we can't play these guys straight up due to how the RPO game's going. That mm-hmm. sucks. That's not a great viewing experience, I don't think. So, I don't love all the wide open. So the you you were ruling out just take it to NFL with the one yard. You would rather see it be uh, more punitive. Called. Yeah, you yeah. Either like, have you might called. have to add a ref. You might have to add a ref. I mean, sure. that's probably what you would have to do because of what your buddy's saying. I think that's the way the refs feel. Maybe you have to have somebody who's assigned right around the line of scrimmage and that's all he's looking at. And you could throw him in. He could look at something else, but you give a little bit of workload and you, you, you start calling it. Cause if they called it and it was three yards, it could still be tricky. You know, it could still be something that could be an offensive tactic that is tough to defend but now it's impossible to defend. And that's, you know, you talk, we talk about some of the numbers that are put up, these 76% completion percentages for an entire season, and these statistics were out of control. Those would come back down to earth a little bit. And I'm not trying to do that. And that's why I wonder if anybody's really worried about this because we love offensive football. We love putting up the points. But I agree with you. I don't think it's great football when the defense is playing with their hides, their hands tied behind their back. Like it just, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Do you guys like all the super wide open? I mean, maybe casual no. fans do, but like I like yeah, well, they like big plays, and you get a catch, and he's five yards, and he runs for twenty. I mean, they do. I don't think that's you know, and I think it's interesting how we've kind of come full circle now because as the perceived anti SEC guys, I used to say, I used to like get really mad. I'm like. Yes, of course, these SEC defenses are top 25 because the offenses they're playing against, this is 10, 15 years ago, are not doing anything. Their quarterback play is subpar. They're running the ball still. Go watch the Big 12. Go watch some other teams are doing, spreading the ball around, taking some of these concepts. And now look what's happened. Like we've brought in some schemes which are impossible to defend. And these, these SEC defenses, which still have a ton of NFL talent, are getting shredded. And it's just, I don't, there's got to be a balance there somewhere. Cause I don't want it to go back to three yards in a cloud of dust, but there's, if you call the rule the way it's designed and leave it at three yards and just effectively enforce it, then I think it would balance things out a little bit where defense did matter. Cause now you guys heard me say this on the podcast. It's not defense wins championships anymore. It's just enough defense. And like Bud is saying, it's in the red zone and it's trying to get stops and force field goals. Once you get down there, just don't give up the big play. Just hang on for life and maybe get a stop in the red zone. The 
not every team also has Alex Leatherwood, right? <laughs> there, there, <laughs> right. There is a limit to um, this, this, these massive advantages. And, you know, these like, like not, not every wide receiver is Devonta Smith. Not every lineman that's coming down downhill on an RPO is Alex Leatherwood. Like they're, when these same schemes are, are executed and when like some of the literally same plays are called at d- in different conferences, we're not seeing the same results. So it, it definitely makes a difference at the top of college football. I think it makes less of a difference as you start to work your way down in the pecking order. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, there's no doubt, but there's a certain element of like, obviously good athletes always help to play good defense. That, that's, that's fairly obvious, but some of these teams are just, the humility of these defensive coaches now is, is sort of eye opening. They're just kind of admitting, "We're not going to try it. Like we're just not going to not going to do it. We're we're, we're going to drop eight. We're going to dare you to run the ball." Like when in our lifetimes, this opposing defensive coordinator said, "Man, I really hope they run the ball on us, right?" Well, because you know what, on an efficiency basis, that's a better outcome for your defense than getting hit with these explosive plays. Like they're trying to bait teams into running the ball not be explosive and then win in the red zone. And I just think that's not very fun football. Like let's have 43 yard plays and okay. March down the field, another first down. Now we're in the red zone. Okay. Red zone, flip a coin. Cause you can't be quite as wide open in the red zone. Um, I don't know, but people like points. So I, I doubt that'll happen. Cover three listeners, man, I have got to let y'all know about Paramount plus you've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount. You know, Bill Cowher, James Corden, Stephen Colbert, Patrick Stewart. Heck, heck, even Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's a, it's a motley crew they got right there. But Paramount Plus is live sports. It's breaking news and a whole mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night and everywhere in between with Paramount Plus. You can stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, along with new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this. It's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports. That includes the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, and Champions League Soccer, plus hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, Comedy Central. Yeah, as much SpongeBob as you can possibly fit in your face. It's there with Paramount Plus. Live sports, breaking news, a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus streaming March 4th. Coming up on the other side, a futuristic proposal that was made years ago. I'm going to resurface it and see what uh, these two think. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I think that we um, that we laughed uh, pretty hard about this in person, but back in Charlotte. A while ago, or maybe at any ACC football kickoff. Do you know where I'm going with this? Oh, I no, I, I forgive forgive the the bad impression, but the happy hour there is pretty solid. So I, uh, I may have just not. Oh, by the way, uh, Felder says hi. Uh, he was texting me a bunch of defensive inspired rule proposals. <laughs> tell, tell tell Michael Felder at in the bleachers on Twitter. He is the absolute best. Uh, tell him tell him I said hi as well. He's, I've been telling y'all for a long time now. We need to put lasers on top of the goalpost. Yes. <laughs> Lasers on the goalposts. Jimbo Fisher out in like 2012, 2011, 2013, maybe even before. This might have been something that he's been on for a long time. But it used to drive him crazy that officials didn't know what to do if the ball went so high on a field goal attempt that it went over the top of the goalposts. And he just would sit there and explain to reporters for about 10 minutes how it could work. All we need to do is just put lasers on the top of the goalposts. And so I would uh, I would like to suggest if we're making rule changes in honor of Jimbo Fisher, we can call it the Jimbo, uh, the Jimbo development. Uh, I would like to see lasers on top of the goalposts. And if we want to use that technology and whatever we can borrow from tennis as well, 
you know, we could really start to, to figure out how to play some things. So like the spotting of the ball could also be done with a, a similar uh, manner right there, especially when we're trying to judge uh, whether or not we get a first down or not. But, uh, but lasers on top of the goalposts. So 2012, I think, is the year that Jimbo... Really went hard on start, it. Yeah, because uh, this is from Martin Rickman, another Much guy love. from the Triangle, man. Yeah. Just, just, just old school shout-outs today. Uh, he interviewed Dustin Hopkins, and Hopkins said uh, uh, basically that he missed a 27-yarder that the refs counted good because it was so high. And Hopkins did kick the ball like really high at, at Florida State. And I, I remember uh, Jimbo... Yeah, he wanted the lasers up there, and we we did we did some research on this. Like, would the FAA uh, approve if you had lasers shooting up from from the thing at Doak? But it's also like, is it a no fly zone during game time? So, like, would that even be an issue? And I can't find that post at my previous place of employment. So, uh, I know this is probably not great great radio, but I was really hoping to resurface the research we did. <laughs> the, the so with technology, since we're going there, the. Chip, you know, if we're thinking the helmet speakers are going to be cost, you know, an issue, what, the chip in the football could be an issue. No, I mean, it's not because they use a lot of footballs throughout the year. You know, 16 in a game, I think, mm. is the number they probably use. They're going to be able to chip that many. And then there is the where is the knee when the football, I guess you could freeze it on camera and then do it. There's definitely a better way. It's amazing if you look at slippage. <laughs> through a game of how many yards probably over the course of a game and over a season are lost or gained just based on some 60 year old kind of hopping on and then just putting his foot down. It is such a gross estimate that it's kind of embarrassing that we're in 2021 and they still do it the same way they've done a hundred years ago. Like, it is pretty remarkably like bad, bad spots. Like the, the idea yes. that over the course of a season, it could be hundreds of yards potentially yes. like yeah. that it built I think up. So. Oh my Absolutely. Cause there's a half yard here or there all the time in games. Like I bet it's probably about 10 yards a game. I would say if you added them all up and you had the precision and you could compare it next to what they're doing when they just kind of run over and waddle out there and look at the chains and then put it down, it definitely could be better, but I don't know if we're ready yet, which is kind of crazy. We have, we just landed on Mars. Let's go. We got to fix this thing. Like would that. you guys be okay? I saw this was a suggestion on our uh, Twitter feed and I thought it was a pretty good one. Um, Two feet inbounds for a catch as opposed to one foot, one foot, or do you, is it different? Is it, this is college. That's pros. Let them get one foot. I'm cool with one foot in college based on the idea that we are dealing with such a larger pool of pass catchers, like all, all throughout the sport. I mean, I demand excellence from that small percentage that it's able to make it up to the NFL and be playing on Sundays. But I do think that that'd be That'd be asking a lot from uh, from our wide receivers and take away what have been like awesome fans love highlight real catches, you know, and a one foot tap it down and drag it in college that that provides more uh, more highlights along the way. I I think I'm with 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 Chip on this. I I, I like the one the one foot rule, and also it it seems like it's probably a little bit easier to officiate, you know, mm. and like the quality of, of the officials in college. I don't think are quite as good as what they are in the NFL, ultimately. All right, what about any other uh, – do you guys have offense, defense, special teams? I – before you go big picture, because you guys know where I'm going to go big picture. But with the end-of-game situations, do you provide an opportunity outside of an onside kick? That one's been bantered about. Like you give the team and the ball fourth and 10, fourth and 15 from the 40, somewhere in there. I'd be open to that. Now, I have always been more of a traditionalist. But the lack of success with onside kicks has me thinking, let's provide some more excitement for comebacks late in the game. Although I think people would freak out at the first, you know, year or two of that taking place. Like the complete, like, like a, a, a one, you know, 15 yard pass type thing. Yeah. Like you get, you get a fourth and 15. If you convert it, you know, from your, probably from the 40, maybe even around where you were kick off from, maybe it's the same spot. And then you can convert it and it's a first down and you keep going. And if you don't, it's turned over on downs and the other team gets the ball going the other way. So it's essentially, it would be like a, you know, you wouldn't get a, an onside kick. It'd be like they recovered. 
Um, the only thing that gets a little bit wacky is what you get, you know, you get past interference and then it's just a call, you know, but I still think you would have to, you know, drive the length of the field or a considerable amount of the field. That's more of a wacky kind of, you know, proposal that's been put out there. Cause yeah. I think the kicking game is in jeopardy in general. I, I have two kind of like, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Chip. I, I'm open to it, but it's actually not something that I think needs to happen. Like in, in mm-hmm. the like rule changes that I want to see for college right. football, like it, it didn't end up making my final cut, but I do know that as we're consistently trying to entertain ways to, um, you know, w- ways to replace the kicking game. Like if, if the belief is the kicking game and the return game is going to be uh, taken out in the future, I understand people that are trying to get ahead of it. And I do agree that as long as your fourth and 15 is on your side of the field and you've still got like a long way to go, then, uh, then I'm, I'm cool with it as a potential replacement. But again, it, it doesn't, it doesn't raise to the level of, of necessity for me. I'm, I'm kind of cool with onside kicks, even if they're not getting converted at a high percentage. I have two that are somewhat related to end of game slash like how games are, you know, managed, right? My first one is faking injuries. Mm. And I've been thinking about this and from like a legality standpoint, liability standpoint, there's no way they're, they're going to pass a rule that is going to encourage a player who's actually hurt to stay on the field. Cause all it's going to take is one kid dying out there for a huge lawsuit. And everybody's like, all right, that's not happening again. <laughs> so like currently there's no real disincentive to going down and faking an injury, you know, the, the timeout situation, et cetera. But I do think if we can find a way to kind of make it like fake health, health and safety, maybe we get this pass. So here's my idea. What if you took, like if you went down on the field and you had to leave the field, which stops the game, you have to stay off for at least the rest of the possession for a medical observational period, guys, so that the, the medical staff can observe you to make sure that your injury isn't more serious than you think it is and you know maybe just make sure you're not really hurt. So like you don't get to go back in until the next change of possession. Like I think if we couch it in that sort of health and safety type language, maybe they would pass that. I don't know. I just I, I do think the fake injuries are something that they, they got to figure out something there. I hate it, that. I don't like it. I, I think that it takes away the, the player who gets like a little scare, you know, like you felt something uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the honest, not actually faking sure, injuries, okay. but if you're out for the rest of the possession, you know, maybe you've, you've already had like two knee surgeries and something like felt a little funny. And so you're going to be a lot more cautious and you're going to allow somebody to come help you up and, and maybe leave the field. If everything's okay, then I don't, I would hope that that player isn't penalized from being able to return. So I got two instances because I think it's an issue that has to be addressed. I mean, you see it all the time if it's obvious. Um, There are two instances where you would get caught, and that's with cramping, you know, because we see guys cramp all the time and you got to get off the field. You get, but you could come back a lot of times in a play or two. So you'd be potentially penalizing that player who wasn't faking more than he should be. The other thing is you get the wind knocked out of you sometimes. Now that's kind of, it's a rare, but it does happen. But We've all seen them when there's the sniper and the sniper is the whole coaching <laughs> yes. staff going, go down and like that. And the guy just crumples and then they have to stop the game and you all know it's there. I don't know. I, I, it, would that be severe enough? Like I was, cause I was, I've thought a lot about this. Can you find the coaching staff, but they make so much money. They'd be like, sure, here's the check. You know, like, do you slap them on the wrist? Do you double it? Um, it probably would have to be something on the field. Would you let them buy it back, like buy the player back by using a timeout? I've seen that proposed yeah. as well. Oh, so like if there that. was a player who had cramps, he was out for two plays, you were like, you know what? He's cramping. It was, you know, we, we weren't faking. We want him back on the field. We're going to take a timeout and then we're going to put him back in. That's an option. But then if you're out of timeouts late in game, then you could get hosed there in a situation too where you, I, it's a really, really tricky, tricky thing to legislate because of the unknown. And you just don't know for certain what's happening. I, when, uh, Chip, you were at the Texas uh, LSU game. I was. Uh, in Austin. Um, that game, late in the game, I was on the sidelines. This kind of kind of knew it because I was down there. LSU was getting a lot of injuries. In Texas, there was a lot of Texas fans that were starting to boo, and it gets bad. Like, it's a bad look when you're booing kids who are getting hurt. And I remember I was watching the game with Rosillo, who I used to do the uh, radio show with, Ryan Rosillo. 
And he was pretty tight with LSU's trainer and equipment staff. And so he was kind of over behind their bench and he'd come over to be like, no, these guys are really hurt. Like they're not, they're cramping or this guy had like an injury that was an ankle injury for the past couple of weeks and they've been addressing it. So they were getting frustrated like, hey, we're not faking, but it then it gets kind of ugly and you don't want that to play out on TV or on a national stage. So I don't, I don't know. I think it does have to be addressed, but I almost feel like, it's close to impossible, but you have to do something for those glaringly obvious. And maybe it's a hefty fine that doubles every time you get it. I mean, that was something in the NFL that always worked. Again, like, you know, you're finding Dabo or Nick Saban or making nine and 10 million. Is it really going to hurt them? They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was so hot that day and yeah. that night in <laughs> Austin. So- and like, uh, I understand why it would be cramping, but also Sam Ellinger was cooking in that second half. (laughs) And so I do kind of think that LSU might've been faking it because Texas wasn't getting, they they were going to continue to score. Now Joe Burrow also was continuing to score. So that's why LSU didn't lose that game. But I don't know, man, this, I, I like the timeout could potentially like end the medical observation period or something like that. And right. by the way, bud, medical observation period is the perfect way to langu- use this language, right? Like we want, we want to have as much of a, you know, uh, it, Chip, it's about health and safety. It's about health. and safety. It's not about competitiveness or faking injuries. We're really about health and safety here. Uh, what was the other one that you had for the end of games? I've got one for special teams slash defense and then some more, uh, some big picture stuff. Oh, I, I I want to start overtime at the 50. Oh, speaking, like, so I, you're not I, just kicking like a field it. goal, right? Like three and out, kick a field goal. Let's yeah. throw that out of overtime. I like that. Right, exactly. Like, like we, we shouldn't give you a chance to potentially still win, you know, in, in that period if you if you totally fail on offense. I, I, let's start at the 50. Also, that's a health and safety thing too. We don't need guys playing 100 plays, 120 plays a game because we go into four overtimes. Let's start it at the 50. That would have been way smarter than doing the wacky thing where you have two to point go conversion. For, yeah, it's they they would have been better off just moving the ball back to the fifty. I told you, I think it's a great suggestion. Well, Danny, let, let's let's leave that and uh, and still move back to the fifty, and we'll never have to use that nonsense because <laughs> no, we're never going to get to a fourth overtime with both teams starting from the fifty. Would you be okay exactly. if we had ties? Like if it cut off at a certain point and college football had ties? No, I hate ties. Enough soccer. I'm, I'm mad about the yellow card, red card thing from earlier in the show from Tom's that I even brought up. And give me as far away from soccer as we can. And I was part of a tie at Florida State. It was one of my better games, and I hated it that it ended in a tie. You got you to gotta have a winner and a loser. That's why we play sports. But 74-72 Texas A&M LSU was not football by the end of it. Those were lifeless <laughs> bodies that were just like slowly trying to get out of their stance and go through the motion over and over again. Great. It's like that, Rocky that versus any- Apollo Creed at the end. I mean, is that boxing? No, but it's entertaining. But there was <laughs> boxing after that game. Like, wasn't that the Damian Craig ends up? Yes. Uh, that was up. Kevin Falk against Jimbo's nephew, remember? <laughs> no, no. Not a great matchup for Jimbo's nephew, ultimately. No, no, ultimately. Kevin Falk, <laughs> pretty athletic dude. Um, okay. When on an extra point try, if the extra point is blocked and returned for a score, I say give the defense six. Hmm. Whoa. Six. Game changing play, man. Just two points. You know how hard they you know how far they ran to run that back? <laughs> <laughs> like they they three is excited. I'd bump it up to three. I'd go to three. Okay. Six is six a lot. Six is too much. Yeah. Same I mean, thing six. happens on an extra point or a two point try. If if somebody's going for two and you pick it off and run it the other way, that's a lot of effort for just two <laughs> points. They only had to get two and a half yards to get into the end zone for two. <laughs> you go 97 and a half the other way. You would have that more coaches true. take knees in end of game situations on the extra point. Oh, just I to think. not risk it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even risk yeah. like, like six points brings a lot more risk into it. Like it's like, Hey, you scored a touchdown to go up five. There's 17 seconds left. Guess what? I'm oh, taking a knee. So many gamblers furious. Right. Up their tickets. <laughs> I would move the extra point back to the NFL distance though. I, I think that's been a good thing for the game. I looked it up. I think college made it this year at like ninety two percent. You know, like you, you what, what did the NFL back it back to like like a thirty five yarder? Mm-hmm. I think they That's placed ball on fifteen. I think is that it or twelve? Uh, I don't so know. Fifteen, seventeen is what thirty two yards? Yeah, yeah. That could that could make it more. We would go for two a little bit more, a little more interesting decisions as a broadcaster. It's not just automatic. All right, let's go kick the extra point. Um, 
it takes it takes a boring play out of the game. All right, Chip, did you yeah. see Tom's suggestion on the extra point? Uh, or on, no, on the field goals? Let's see. What was it? Um, Tom wants field goals are more than 50 yards to be worth four points. Kind of like NBA jam power up. I, I, I kind of like it. Mm, if we're going to, if we're going to do that, then give a point for a doink. All right. Like if we're going to go like total the hot spots and like, uh, and, and, and goose it up a little bit, give, give me, give me a point for just hitting the upright. If we're just going to do four points for 50, uh, all right, Danny, what's your big picture? So big picture, I, I mean, I just, I feel like the the playoffs have been stale. I think there's a bunch of things you could do. And it's like, a, it's almost like we could use a whole podcast and like restructuring of college football. I think we are. Um, eight, it's, yeah. I have one coming. We have one coming right. up on the playoffs. All right, good. All right. All right. So don't, don't blow my wad right here is what you're saying. Right. Uh, I think. I would love to see the power five and the group of five separate uh, and do their own playoffs group of five playoff. I'd love to see an 18 playoff, but I think if you went to, I mean, routine scheduling where there's continuity across the board, every conference is playing the same, whether it's a round Robin have the divisions the same and don't, or, or either eliminate divisions altogether, have the top two teams play, which I probably think is the best way to do it. Um, but have everybody play the same amount of, other power five opponents and group of five opponents so that you can't schedule a couple cupcakes. Like I just think there needs to be some continuity with the scheduling. Um, but eventually, I mean, playoff expansion has been my thing. I pounded the table for, for seven or eight years now, even since we went to the final four, I just said that was nice. It could be better. And I think it is better. And I, again, people come back and they're like, well, that's not going to solve the problem. You're right. Pam is still going to be great. Ohio State's going to be great. Clemson's going to be great. But I think it makes the games along the way would be even more entertaining. I think it would really save November of the season, which has kind of become irrelevant recently, where we're only focused on the six, seven, or eight teams in the month of November. And there's some really good football games that could be for a lot more if there were eight teams in there and you were still in the hunt for your, uh, for your conference championship. I want nine games across the board. I'd like the SEC and the ACC to go nine conference games. And if they want to maintain those traditional rivalries, then that's great. You're going to be playing a tough schedule. Maybe this goes hand in hand with the conference expansion where you're going to be uh, a little bit less concerned about one loss knocking you 100% out of the national championship picture when there's twice as many spots in the playoff for the national championship. But uh, yeah, Pac-12, Big Ten, both went to nine. Big 12's been at nine. SEC, ACC, I know they don't want to, but I'd like to see that be the same across the board because it's it's not that difficult. They've each instituted this eight plus one sort of format to try and create that idea that, you know, there's there, there's still some equity, but um, no, nah, let's, let's make it nine conference games across the board. I, I don't like the nine conference games because I, I, I like for these power ratings to be really good and, and useful for gambling purposes. I want as much interconnectivity as possible between leagues. But I think the only real way that, that you don't expand the playoff is to get ESPN to stop pretending that the only thing that matters in college football is the playoff. And since ESPN paid about a couple billion dollars for the playoff, that's probably not going to happen. So expanding the playoff seems to make a, be a little bit more reasonable solution. Uh, any other big picture stuff before we get out of here? Uh, college football commissioner, like a czar, somebody, somebody who's in charge uh, that can, and again, I think this is all probably coming when we separate eventually, who knows where it is, but that would require Greg Sankey to give up some control. You know, it would require some of these conference commissioners to give up some control, which they like, they can do their own thing, but I don't necessarily think it has to be such a bad thing. It just, and we saw it glaringly evident with the disastrous handling of COVID by all the conferences, because that's where we got in this mess. Why the PAC 12 played, you know, almost half the games that the ACC and SEC played was because there was no person in charge Instead, you have five really powerful people who can do their own thing. Some of them are more powerful than other. We realize that, but, and also like he, somebody to legislate, Punishments. We're talking about targeting, reviewing these things, faking injuries. If something goes to a a body and to 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 determine what's the penalty going to be, then I think it should be that person in charge of the game. And then, like you want to get really crazy, I think a, a czar of scheduling 
where no more games 10, 11 years in advance, but you have somebody, and this is, this is where I, I kind of get comfortable and I don't love it, but we're already going there anyway. College football is becoming more like the NFL. Put out the schedule much shorter, but get the better, more competitive games every year and have somebody hand out the schedules to Florida, to Ohio State, to Bama, to Florida State. You know, we could do it right now. It would give us a ton of, give us a ton of stuff to talk about instead of a Big Ten schedule release on the Friday night before, forget what it was that was, Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl weekend. It's like, great, thanks. And no one even talked about it. But could you imagine as you could find out who your non-conference are going to be and they could be really compelling and it would all be driven if you were still going to select the playoffs. All right. How can we schedule the best matchups available to determine who's going to be there? And sorry, I just started to go on this rant. If you and Alabama fans might not like this, but if you wanted to kind of try to create more parity, you could do it through scheduling, you know, and Alabama probably still would run the table. Clemson might still run the table, but guess what? If they played each other, they're going to have a loss on their schedule, you know, and if you had Kansas play, whoever at the bottom, like kind of help them get off to a better start of a season. So I don't know. That's kind of my wild harebrained idea. But the kickoff games provide some of those, right? And the kickoff mm-hmm. games do have to be at least a few years in advance so that you can sell the tickets to your fans. But I do. Why? You don't think they'd buy them if they were giving them to them right now in February okay, for in September 1st? All, all you'd have to do is point to a bowl game. Fans to understand right. it's like, oh, we got we got picked to go to Atlanta for or to yep. Dallas or to Charlotte or you know to wherever the kickoff games are. Then oh, shoot, that's the other thing I would do. I would move the bowls that aren't in the playoff to the preseason. That's that's my last one. Bam, there you go. Just drop that bomb on him before I have to go. <laughs> I like that. All right, right, because then you don't have to worry about the players opting out. They got to play in them. Yep. They got to play in the bowl because it's still everybody. Everything matters still. There's no irrelevant games. It's the Bahamas Bowl to start the season. Better hydrate. Better be a <laughs> night game. <laughs> I would have it in the spring. Make your spring game against against the team you're supposed to play there. Yeah, Ooh, great. That would be good. You gotta go do NFL. Yeah, I got to go do the uh, HQ uh, NFL Happy Hour show. Ooh, 4 o'clock. Always check it out. Danny Cannell will be on there. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. 